you're now tuned into another episode of The Underground. Each week, we dive into what it means to create, nurture, and live in communities everywhere. This is The Underground with Ryan Moore and Justin Lon Carrick. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Underground Podcast. We're back at the pond. What's going on, Ryan? What's up, bud? Living life, doing what I'm doing. What's your go-to breakfast? Like, what do you eat for breakfast nowadays? With COVID and everything, like, we're all home a lot more. I know you're not because you're working a lot, but what's your go-to breakfast snack? I'm bad. Oh, God. I don't eat breakfast. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's bad. I know it's bad. It- it's not good for you, but my go-to breakfast when I was a kid, I would do the the whatever my mom put in front of me <laughs> before before school, and so that was usually cereal. Like some, I'm a, I love the shredded shredded wheat. So I do shakes now for breakfast. Yeah. When the kids are on the weekends, when we're not rushing for things, the big thing is like bacon and eggs and potatoes and like a whole like sort of almost an English breakfast, like what my. My wife would have been doing in England. Bangers and mash? Nah, no, that's not breakfast food. Is that bro. not breakfast? No, I don't that's know. not breakfast. I'm, I don't have any English in my family. <laughs> well, as long as it's not spotted dick, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So just like a, a full fry up kind of thing. And the kids like that kind of thing. But we don't, we don't often make big breakfasts during the week. And you don't eat anything. So that's just not good. On you Sundays, just drink several coffees yeah, on your way out the co- door. A couple coffees get that in me. And, and on Sundays, I'll go to a breakfast place with my girlfriend and, and we'll go have a bacon and eggs. I find the hardest thing for me is eating healthy when you're running around. Yeah. Because we work, I work so much out on the road. At least you're static in this place and you can pop over to Tim's or you can pop somewhere and grab something to actually eat. There's days that I don't eat from 9.30 or something in the morning to like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, wow. which I don't think is healthy. No. Like even now, I haven't eaten since 9 something, and I'm we're recording this just after noon, and I, I probably won't eat for another hour at least. But even so, just like you said, I'll pop over to Tim's, and that's yeah, it's not great. Like It's food. It's food. It's something, but like am I, I'm putting a bagel in my system. That's not mm. everything bagel. Well, maybe we probably. can find out what that actually means. Yeah. So... It's a good transition to talk about our guest today, who we've invited in. And this is actually a really special guest. And it's a special guest because this will be our first live guest, like literally in-studio guest. Every other guest you've heard us talk to so far has been via Zoom or some other phone-in capability. Jacqueline has the luxury of actually working in the backside of the pond building in another another company over there. Yes. And so she just walked over. Yeah. So, so we're lucky today. Hello, neighbor. Hello, neighbor. So we're. What, who, I'm introducing Jacqueline Santa Maria. She is our nutrition, my nutritionist, uh, which is why we brought her on because she's amazing. But she's got a BA honors specializing in kinesiology. She's got her CrossFit certifications up to level one. Gymnast CrossFit gymnastics level one. NC NCCP Olympic weightlifting coach level one. NCI L1 nutrition coaching specialist, manager, and oh, she's manager at she's manager at the CrossFit Connection. She runs that place, man. She beat the hell out of me when I was going there. I'll tell you right now. Um, <laughs> and uh, oh, here's a, here's some good stats. 
well, not that those weren't good, but two-time Canadian national champion in competitive jump rope, which is incredible. Jump rope's an insane sport. Maybe we'll ask her about that. National triple under record holder in 2008? Okay, that I need to know more about. Represented Team Canada in 2006 and 2008 in the World Jump Rope Championships, and you are a 59-kilogram national weightlifter, and we'll talk about that too because you're, you're, I think your meat is coming up. That's right. So, Jacqueline, welcome. Thank you. Thanks Hi, for Jacqueline. having me. I guess the, the well, let's start with the good stuff. Sure. Talk to me about jump rope. Jump rope. Because that oh. sounds fun, and it sounds... I mean, when we were in CrossFit, you do a lot of jump rope. Yep. Uh, and double under stuff and whatnot. It's tough. It is tough. And what does it take to be the best, which is what you seem to have figured out? Yeah. So I'll take you guys back to when I was in elementary school. So my school did jump rope for heart. I don't know if that's still running in schools right now. I'm pretty sure it is. But I got pretty hooked into jump rope for heart when I was in elementary school. So did my cousin actually. So she found a competitive team. Well, first she found a rec team. That's step one. Tried out for the rec team. And then she jumped onto a competitive team called the Brampton Acro Ropers. So there's competitive teams like all across the GTA, all across Canada, actually. And internationally, there's, there's, world, there's world jump rope championships. I wouldn't have even thought. I yeah. didn't know. But yeah. when, so when I saw you, when I heard about this, I Googled it and it's insane. Like these guys are insane. Oh, yeah. You're Especially, insane. I've seen some of your stuff. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> can do some stuff now, but not to the extent I used to. Um, so found out my cousin tried out for a team. I got hooked onto it. And then I tried out for this team and, and made it. Um, and my sister actually jumped on. So it was like a, a family thing. My, my uncle was the manager of the team. So I started that when I was about 11 years old. And I competed up until I went to university. And I did really well in that sport. So I, you know hit the, the triple under record. I was known as the triple under. What was under. the record? So 171 triple unders in a row. What In a row? What, yes. What's a triple under? So it's when the rope goes under you three times in one jump. So you jump up and it goes three times underneath you. What, one, one's hard enough for me. <laughs> but Getting one 20 times in a row is a challenge for so me. So 172, is that we said? 171, 171 triple unders in a row. Yeah. <sighs> What's the world record? I'm I don't even know. All I know is that. So that was in 2008. Since then, it's definitely been broken. But it was really cool to say I was the Canadian national record what, record holder. What is sore after you're done that? Calves. Calves? Calves. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And like, it, it's a lot of cardio, right? It's a solid like two minutes of just. Is that how long it takes? Two minutes to do Yeah. That? So they never used to put a time cap on it. Um, but they started putting a time cap on these events. I'm pretty sure when I was competing my last year or something they put a time cap on it but it took yeah you're basically jumping for two to three minutes yeah yeah walking for two to three minutes is tough enough in some cases (laughs) (laughs) yeah so Um, this leads me into the sort of the nutrition thing because doing something like that requires a certain level of nutrition totally because your body needs to you know perform a certain way right and we're actually in so when we do this on a Tuesday, when we record on a Tuesday, we've got OHL players in here. We've had discussions about what are we feeding these kids mm-hmm. to bring them to their peak nutrition? What does it take to be in that world and 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 compete at that level? A lot of calories, let me tell you that. A lot of calories. Yeah, and Which carbohydrates. Is, well, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's funny because I've heard stories of like Hugh Jackman eating 70,000 calories a day just to be as jacked as he was for... Um, 
Wolverine and who's the swimmer? Michael, Michael Phelps. I think the, the number mm. was something like 12,000 calories a day to be to at during the Olympics. Like the guy was pounding Big Macs at the Olympics just to get the calories. Well, speaking to that, I'm sure Jacqueline will jump in on that as well. But I know through my experience, it's not just calories. It's the right mm. calories. Food True. quality for sure. True. So what sort of food quality? So it's different food quality th- like to maintain is different than food quality during or am I, am I off on that? You know, they, they go hand in hand, right? So any, any person, anyone that's, you know, just a, you know, let's, let's say Mrs. Smith who wants to lose 20 pounds. You got to look at food quality. That's huge, but also her, her calorie intake. However, um, so her goal might be, you know, I want to lose weight for health and wellness reasons. If she's like super overweight for an athlete, um, their calorie intake is going to be quite high. Food quality, yes, is at the top, but these athletes that are eating 4,000 calories, they can only get so much of it from high-quality foods. So right. they're going to tap into things like, you know, maybe some sugary cereals, um, some, some processed foods. You're going to have to eat those things. So when you're eating at that level, when you're eating that many calories, a little bit of that health and wellness is going to be put to the wayside. You're almost going to navigate away from it because you might run into some gut health issues your body's also sort of trained better to break that down though totally like me you know average joe sitting on the couch eating seven big macs is going to break down seven big macs different than michael phelps who's like a perfectly designed machine yeah that's that's a fair statement for sure even like the high level crossfit athletes right like when they're at the games they're just like pounding themselves with pizza pizza and hamburgers i wish i could have pizza yeah yeah i just but for, for every individual, it's different, right? Like high-level athletes, they're going to have to tap into things that are not so healthy just so they can get their carbon take up. Like I had a client who was eating 4,200 calories, and this poor guy, 500 grams of carbs a day. Wow, that's yeah, a lot. He, has, he had quite the metabolism. But at some point, he had to tap into things that, you know, like he was eating animal crackers. Well, that's, a, that's <laughs> I mean, your point is valid because we've been going through what we're going through. So we're doing a reverse diet. Yes. And we're in that sort of initial phase, which is – boosting your calories up first. Mm -hmm. And you initially had me at a 3000 calorie number to eat per day. That's hard to get to. Oh yeah. And when I'm sitting here trying to eat clean and trying to eat veggies or, you know, nice stuff. Totally. It's like, Oh, that tomato only gave me this many calories. Oh shit. Now I gotta like, you know, and then you kind of fall back on, okay, grab me some rice crackers or something like that. Cause I need to, I need to get there. For sure. So it's difficult to actually eat more calories, which is weird in a way. For everyone that, you know, first, any client that first starts off with me, like usually has to go through a reverse diet. It's the last thing they want to do is eat more food, but it has to happen before we start cutting calories back. But why? Why does it have to happen? Because when you're eating in a deficit, you're actually putting your health at risk. Okay. So let's use you for example. So say your maintenance was 3000 calories and you were only eating 1500 calories a day just because you didn't know any better, right? You know, you're just going on with your day. You know, you have very busy lifestyle, so you don't get to eat sometimes till the end of the night. You're sitting in a 1500 calorie deficit. Your metabolism is going to really start to downregulate. And with that comes a lot of health issues, hormonal issues. You know, your energy might be low. You might not be sleeping. Stress, you have a very stressful job. So all of these things are what we want to improve through nutrition. The only way we can do that is by reverse dieting you up to your maintenance. Okay. So it's like the diet, I like to call it the diet before the diet. Right. And that's like I said, the last thing clients want to hear because they want to lose weight like tomorrow. But I have to explain to them, listen, 
you've been eating at a deficit for this long. This is why you're either not losing weight or why you're gaining because you can actually gain weight from being in a deficit for too long. So we have to go through this phase in order to get to the weight loss phase. So in sort of layman's terms, your body says to itself, you're starving. I got to pack on the pounds to save myself from starving. And it just, everything you eat, because you're eating in a deficit, it's like, I'm going to take every ounce of fat from this thing and save it in case I, in case there's a problem. Yes. And it, that's it. It fights weight loss at all costs. Right. At all costs. Um, and, and all these diets out there are def, I mean, it seems to me are deficit related diets. So totally. you're constantly in these weird yes. deficit phases. And they're all cookie cutter, right? You know, it's your right. male, your female, your workout. This is your calorie intake. This is your calorie intake. There's no personalization to it. Right? right. It's just a cookie cutter diet that's thrown out on the web on a on the web. You know, someone starts it, it might work for them, but at some point they're just gonna stall, they're gonna be starving, they might regain all all the weight that they lost back. I've seen it. I've seen this like multiple times. It's interesting that you're saying everyone's different. I do know for my experience and with the players that I train here in the NHL players, they really their diets are completely different, even though they're playing at the same level. They're NHL, OHL, uh, NCAA, their diets are all completely different because they've sat down with their nutritionists. Some of them have even gone as far as getting blood work done to see what foods and stuff are reacting to their body. So I know my one player in between periods, if he's feeling down, he'll suck back a mustard package. Wow. And that's what's going to refuel him for the third period. Whereas another guy will have something with caramel in it or caramel. How would you say that? Car- caramel, caramel. caramel. <laughs> Caramel. I don't know. Caramel. I'm on the caramel. I I personally would have. I personally would do that one over the mustard. Mm -hmm. But they've found their nutritionists have found that that's what's going to fuel their body. That's going to get the oxygen into their bloodstream the fastest. That's going to spike their heart rate at the right. Or I don't know the science, Mm -hmm. but it like you're saying, everything. Everyone's different, and everyone's like you. You go online, like you just mentioned, and there's all these different diets, and. I'm not the same as you. I'm not the same as Justin. We are three completely different people. So how do you, what would you do when, when someone comes to you and says, I'm, I want to start a diet. What is, what's step one for you to, to try to get to know that person and know what diet's going to work? Totally. So we always have a conversation of, you know, what did you do in the past? What worked, what didn't work and where did we want to go? Um, so when someone signs on with me, we do like an initial intake process where we go through like their, diet history, their hormonal history, what their jobs like, what their lifestyles like. We go through a pretty extensive process just to see like what their what their food intakes like as well. And then from that point on I do an assessment and then I prescribe them a macronutrient plan. But that does include, you know, a calorie intake, a protein, a carb, a fat, and we look at their fiber and sugar, but we also look at biofeedback markers which are things like, you know, your stress levels, your energy, your performance, how are you recovering in the gym? What's your digestion like? What's your sex drive like, right? Those are all really important markers of health that we have to look at when we're dieting. And all of these cookie cutter diets out there do not look at those things, right? So it's a really good um, overall program when someone starts up. We look at all aspects. We also look at a lot of mindset pieces too, which is a really important part of nutrition, right? Because your relationship with food is a whole other ballgame. Oh, yeah. COVID, like we, I think we mentioned earlier, Stress eating, COVID eating. It's funny you mention that because like my business really skyrocketed during COVID because the one thing people had control of was their food. Yeah. Right. Everything else was outside of their control. 
Well, I think when, if I'm, so case in point, if I'm driving around, I won't eat because there isn't food there. And for me, if whether it be I'm trying to save money or there's just not a healthy option I'm driving by at the moment, I'm just not going to eat. Whereas if I'm working from home, the cupboard is 30 steps away and I could just walk over there and eat chips. Uh, what is it? Bits and bites. What's bits your thing? Bites. Bits That's and bites. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, we brought this a couple times. Bits and bites gets free plugs on this program. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I can't help it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's just too easy. And, you know, I even like midnight snacking. I think that's the same thing. People come home hungry and they eat dinner or whatever, but they're still hungry or they're, you know, they haven't eaten the right thing. And now 11 o'clock rolls around and they're hungry again. They're, they're going to start eating again. Is there any merit to eating late is bad for you? No, not at all. Whoever came up with that myth of eating past eight o'clock, yeah. you'll gain weight. You will not. I've been eating past a certain time. Nine o'clock. I eat my latest meal at ten o'clock at night. I it has not affected me at all. This week's a bit different, but I've for for my entire life I've been eating. So I could get up at one in the morning, have a snack, and go back to bed and totally. Not that well, I would do that, but yeah, you don't want to be interrupting your sleep. <laughs> no, but no. yeah, you you would be fine. Interesting. I, I would say midnight, right? Because the day starts at twelve a.m. and ends at. 12 p.m. Because when I work with shift workers, right, it's, okay, when does my day start with food? Right. So we have to look at it like, okay, 12 o'clock a.m. and 12 p.m. midnight, that's your day of food. And if they're working a night shift, we have to work around that. Yeah. Right? But that's typically when, and yeah, like I said, you you will not gain weight physically from eating more If food. you're hungry, should you be depriving yourself of food? No. Depends. Depends. If you're in a weight loss phase, you have to be, you will be, you, you have to be, be okay hungry. with being hungry. Right. You will be hungry. Yes. That's fair. But on it like a daily basis, no. You know, if you're someone that's in a maintenance phase, I'll even feed my clients more food if they say they're hungry. If we're, say we're in maintenance, they've gotten to their, you know, in your case, Justin, 3000 calories. And you're like, I'm still hungry. I will feed you more. Because the goal in a weight loss phase is to be eating as much food as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Sleep. Yeah. Food affects sleep sure does we it makes sense and and because food is your fuel obviously Mm -hmm. food food water what you're consuming is what your fuel is and when your fuel runs out you're gonna go to sleep what what what, how do you plan like if i'm not sleeping well Mm -hmm. and you said that like so my thing is is you guys just blew my mind that the eating past eight o'clock isn't I didn't know that either. Uh, like, that just, that's a huge myth. That, that's just been busted. That Wow. And and so that's what just kind of sparked my mind there. I'm like, oh, okay, good. Yeah. I can eat now. Not tonight. He's so, going right? to be into the Those chips. Bits and bites. Yeah. What, what? <laughs> don't, don't, don't stop saying it. <laughs> but what, what, what can I eat that's going to help my sleep patterns, my, or what's going to affect my sleep patterns? What's going to be negative? What's going to be positive? Sure. But what, of course. what, what, how how does that all tie together? So if you're clients of mine that do have sleep issues, I'll tell them to cut food off about two hours before bed, especially things like sugars, right? Cause that will just, you know, spike your sugar level up. It might interrupt your sleep in the middle of the night. I've seen it happen to myself, but I've also had clients, you know, at nighttime they're hungry and they want to eat something before they go to bed. So I say, let's do a little bit of protein and carb. Um, and what happens actually overnight when you do that is tryptophan gets released which we know helps with sleep. That's turkey, right? Yeah, it comes from turkey. Oh, yeah, that, that's Thanksgiving. Oh, I know yeah. that worked from Thanksgiving. That combination uh, will release tryptophan in the bloodstream, so it will help with your sleep. Uh, so I've you know, suggested like 
protein powder with some oatmeal and a little bit of fruit. That's a really good option. Some Greek yogurt, same thing with some oats and a little bit of fruit. Like that would be a really good meal to have before bed, probably like an hour before. But there are clients of mine that have to cut food off two to three hours before because it interrupts their sleep patterns. And even for me personally, um, so Justin and I were just talking about this week, I'm on a cut. I have a weightlifting meet tomorrow. Uh, My diet's pretty strict this week, but I've cut my food off about two hours before bed. Typically I eat all the way up until about a half an hour. My sleep has been a lot better than it has been in previous weeks. So it does have an effect. The other thing too is like, you know, when we eat too close to bedtime, um, it will affect recovery, right? So our body's meant to recover when we're asleep. So even athletes of mine that are struggling, if their recovery is like not the greatest, I say like, what are you doing before bed? Are you eating? Yes. Okay. Let's cut that meal out because we need your body to focus more on recovering versus digesting. Right. If that makes any sense. It does. Where, where does intermittent fasting fit into this? Is it good? Uh, is it bad? Is it? I get this question. I know because it's such a fad right now and everybody it thinks is. it's the thing. And I've actually, you know, I've seen people that are, seem to be knowledgeable people say, yeah, this is a good thing. But I've also seen people say, well, for females, it can really mess with your hormones. Mm-hmm. And I've seen other people say, you know, it's really, there's not really any actual science behind it. So what the hell? For, you know, health and wellness, I think it's a good way to go. It will help a lot with recovery. But for the average client that I work with, their number one issue is getting all their food in. So if I throw a fast in there or a, a, a feeding window, that's only eight hours. I'm only making this harder for them. That's why I do not agree with it. <laughs> the word feeding window makes me feel like a piece of cattle. I'm like a cattle. I'm like Just a cow. Just strap that's on the a proper feed name for it. <laughs> Let's go have a feed. <laughs> Especially males because they're, you know, your calories are high. So if yeah. I say you, you've only got 12 o'clock to 8 p.m. to eat your food. True. Totally. You're going to really struggle. And especially if I'm on a weird schedule like mine. Yes. I got to get it in before a certain time. I've been on the road for four hours and I can't. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be awful. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So more built around the individuals. For sure. Their goals and and like, yeah. And their lifestyle. Um, you know, but for the average person, I would say, you know, I always get, can I intermittent fast to lose weight? And I will say, absolutely not. We're not doing that. No, let's but just it's not it necessarily, is it a weight loss thing as much as it's a uh, cleansing your body? I don't know. What, well, I don't understand yeah, from the a cleansing point, it. right? Um, it does help reduce inflammation. Absolutely, it does. Um, but from a weight loss perspective, I don't agree with it. If you, if you want to lose weight, we just got to get in a calorie deficit, really. So you just said it. You just said cleanses. Through the COVID shutdown and everything, Facebook blew up all, I just saw all these people trying cleanse, 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 cleanse. And I've heard mixed things. I've heard yes, I've heard no. I just want to be clear to the audience that Jacqueline just rolled her eyes. So I'm just pointing that out. Well, (laughs) I've never done one. I've had people who've done one. They swear by it. I've had people who don't do it and they say it's bad. It's like, yes, no, yes, no. What's your stance? What do you say for cleanses? Just not sustainable, right? If you think about what you're doing in a cleanse, most cleanses are just drinking liquids great, you're going to lose 10 pounds in a week, but then once you go back to solid foods, you're just going to gain it all back, right? So any diet, in my opinion, that restricts something, it's just not sustainable. If you cut carbs, you're going to not eat carbs for the rest of your life, right? If you do it for a specific amount of time, sure, you'll lose weight during that time period, but the minute you start to introduce them back, you're going to gain all that weight back. So good luck with birthdays, weddings, 
you know, vacations. Like that's when we like to eat and indulge. So that's why I don't agree with, you know, these diets that just cut out an entire macronutrient. It just simply isn't sustainable. And I've done it before. Yeah. We were talking about the carnivore diet earlier this week. Yes. I mean, that just sounds so insane to me. Like it's it doesn't make sense. Diet. It's basically just eating meat. Mm-hmm. You only eat meat, like literally nothing other than meat. That sounds like what I do right now. Well, no, I'm joking. Well, but you probably have some bread or other things yeah. that, that play in. Yeah, I mean, maybe the odd yeah. vegetable. <laughs> the odd vegetable. I, yeah, it was always vegetables are always my struggle. I like pea asparagus in there. Oh, I like asparagus. But why does asparagus make your pee smell? I don't know the answer to that. But it does. It sure does. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, I digress on that point. <laughs> but the point is, is that like it just you're right. It's so uns- who's going to. And I think the logic behind it is flawed because I was breaking it down in my head over the last couple of nights because after we talked about it, uh, first of all, our ancestors that diet in particular, it's hard. If you've ever watched the show alone, it's hard to hunt for food, like hunt for meat. It's difficult to get fish. It's difficult to get game when you don't have a gun nowadays because you have guns. Mm -hmm. But as ancestors, like the whole point of the diet is like, you know, cave people would get eat meat. It's, it's not sustainable because it's difficult to do. Our bodies weren't meant for that. Right. Which actually talks to speaks to the idea that your diet, we've talked about this or your, I don't want to call it a diet, your nutrition plan. Mm -hmm. You haven't said to me, don't eat this. You've just said, really be careful and more mindful of the amounts of each thing you're eating and each macronutrient that you're eating versus you can't have chips anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if you have chips today at lunchtime, you just can't have more of that macronutrient later in the day or that thing later in the day. Exactly. Which I think seems to me to be way more sustainable and healthy if I'm not totally. mistaken. Cause you're not labeling foods anymore, right? We, we tend to label foods as good and bad. So that's why, you know, I have clients ask me all the time. They'll send me snapshots of what they're eating. Is this okay? I'm like, of course it's okay. Anything that you eat on this plan is okay, right? We just have to find that balance, um, you know, making sure you're eating whole foods, like lots of fruits and veggies, lots of lean proteins, good carb sources, good fat sources, 80% of the time, and that 20% can be left for stuff we really like. Like, yeah. I love chocolate. Yeah. I love cookies. Yeah. I eat that stuff. I don't cut bites. it out. Bits and bites. Bits and bites. <laughs> you know, whatever your go-to is. There's, you know, even the clients of mine that drink alcohol. I've never said to a client, you can't drink alcohol on this plan. We limit it. When we're in a fat loss phase, we really have to watch because it will slow things down. And I, you know, I explain the, the negatives of drinking. But... I never have said you have to cut this out. If it's part of your lifestyle, then we keep it in, right? I love going on date nights with my husband. I'm not going to sit there and not drink a beer. Like that's just part of the experience. So my, I have, like I said before, I have NHL players that come through here and they like yeah, to go Yeah, just keep bragging out. about that, pal. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to relate it back to the, to the elite athletes side. How many more times yeah. are we going to say that? Well, because it's interesting. I go out, I'll have a beer. And, but when they go out, they have vodka soda or vodka water Mm -hmm. and they have just completely sworn off anything else and that is you can go ask any pro hockey player these days yeah they'll have beers in the off season and stuff like that but once they get closer to the season two months out it's vodka soda vodka water if they're going out and then up until a month before season they they cut completely Mm -hmm. but therein lies the difference between average joe and someone who's 
profession is to be the the most pinnacle athlete yeah. that they could possibly be. Well, there there it comes down to them. If they're not in tip top shape, the guy right. that's they're going up against will be. Well, yeah. And it's a job. You lose your job that way. That's right. You lose your job. You lose your paycheck. Next year, you get less money. There's And that's lots of money involved in that, right? So, but what's the what's the logic behind vodka soda what or vodka water? What What's, I, I guess, I, I know that beer has carbs mm-hmm. and is that it? Is that what? Yeah. And it's higher, a lot higher in calories, right? Uh, when you're slugging back all those beers, like those calories add up. Mm-hmm. So when we look at vodka soda, especially those seltzer drinks now that are out there, you know, like the social lights. They're terrible. See, I'm a fan of those. I are like you? The, I am. I, what's the new one? White White Claw? White Claw? That one's a... Uh, Isn't that more of a beer type I product? I don't know. I dr- it's I, a little bit different. I, if I, I feel like it's a bit higher in calories, Um, but you're, you know... You pack course, a lot of sugar like in those, right? Oh, yeah. There's there's quite a bit of sugar in them. But if we look at a vodka soda versus a beer, a beer is like way higher in calories. Um, And a vodka soda has got maybe 70 calories, plus you're hydrating at the same time. You're drinking water. Yeah. And the effects of it, too you'll probably feel better drinking a vodka soda than you will. I know I certainly do the day after I drink a couple beers. So that's interesting too. Nutritionist side of things. I'm hungover. Not today, but <laughs> hypothetically. <laughs> hypoth- thirsty Thursday like yesterday is Friday. <laughs> no, joking. Hypothetically, I'm hungover. What What do I do? Eat clean. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. So not... not my thing is I crave grease when I'm hungover. I used to do that. that, yeah. And I used to feel like that, but man, like lately, the last time I was hungover was probably this past Sunday, which is terrible. But Hey, we're human. Right? I have a meet tomorrow. That's, that's why fair. I'm saying that. Uh. Um, but I ate, like I, cr- I actually craved healthy food, whereas before I would just, the entire day would go to waste. Mm-hmm. And oh. I recovered quite well from it. Like Monday, I felt good. Right. Cause that will affect recovery. Alcohol will 100% affect your recovery. Yeah. So the last thing you want to be doing is eating like garbage. Cause it's just going to make you feel worse the day of and day after. Someone told me once, I don't remember where I heard it, that alcohol stays in the body for a long time after you've consumed it. Good and couple days. the, the more I'm trying to think of the word, but like an athlete, a professional athlete, will shed the alcohol out of their body a lot faster than the average human being because of how their body works. No, hmm. am I wrong there? I, I feel know. like that is something I've read somewhere too. Yeah. Yeah. Just because their body works in a much higher, it's much more efficient. Efficient. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I keep him around. Well, Justin, we train NHL players here <laughs> and all we do is strive towards efficiency. Love it. Love it. Let's step back a little bit from what, like the current conversation and just go, okay, well, what brought Jacqueline into this world? Why are you so passionate about helping other humans be healthy? Sure. So um, I am a recovered anorexic. When I was in high school, I picked up an eating disorder, but actually stemmed back from elementary school. So I struggled quite a bit in my teenage years. It went on for a good 10, 10 years. So I from I would say grade nine to about 11, I was in a really bad place with food. And this was when I was competing in jump rope. And I got down to about 100 pounds. And on my frame, that's like extremely, extremely tiny. So my mom approached me one day and she's like, you need help. Because she went through this. She picked up all the signs. And I went to see a psychiatrist. I had to see a nutritionist. Um, so I gained a whole bunch of weight back. But once I did... I felt a little bit uncomfortable in my skin because I had gotten down to such a low weight 30 pounds later 
you know, I'm in grade 11 now and I just felt really thick. So I started picking up on some unhealthy habits, like eating clean, you know, like I, I didn't want to eat anything that I didn't feel was clean. And I, I continued with that until I got to university. And then when I found CrossFit, paleo, if you guys are familiar with the paleo diet is the diet I picked up on. So there was, you know, it's meat, uh, nuts and seeds, healthy fats, healthy carbs, veggies. There's like no grains, no sugar, no dairy. So I picked up that diet and it became extremely restrictive. And then once I picked that up, I lost all this weight again. I was down to like 115, 113 pounds at one point. Um, I was eating good food, but there was still some disordered eating patterns that were stemming from just picking up this paleo diet. So, you know, with CrossFit, it was weightlifting, it was cardio. I was really good at the cardio stuff just from my background in jump rope. But man, I wanted to lift so heavy. I wanted to be so strong. But I couldn't because I was so tiny. So I remember I had one day just said, you know what? Like, it's time to get a coach. I need to get a, a, a nutrition coach. So I jumped on with a coach and I committed to gaining back a good 15 to 20 pounds. Um, and was she, this the coach where you saw the donut eating yes, person eating donuts? So you saw, yeah, you saw just, a, an article in a, in about this person yep. and how she just ate donuts and she had and like she, a six pack. Yeah. Her, her name's Nicole Caperso. She's still coaching. She's in the United States and, um, CrossFit she, athlete, CrossFit athlete, yeah. high level athlete, uh, and donut lover apparently competitor. Yeah. But the headline was, um, it was like how I got an 80 kg snatch. So 80 kilogram snatch eating donuts. And it was a picture of her and she was just like ripped. She has a six pack. And I was like, what is this girl doing? I want to snatch 80 kilos, but I also, you know, wouldn't mind looking like that too. So I reached out and that's when I was introduced to this macro-based approach to dieting. Uh, Back then it was kind of called flexible dining. So this was back in 20, gosh, 2014. Uh, So she took me on and she helped me, you know, understand this whole concept of counting your macros. And to me, that was huge, right? It was freedom. Finally, I felt like I could eat what I wanted and what I enjoyed without feeling guilty, if that makes sense, right? Because I had restricted myself for years and years and years. Like I would never eat things like cake. You know, I would never drink really. Like I'd have occasions where I'd go out and drink, but if it was the occasional beer with my work buddies in university, I I would say no, because I was like, oh, I can't do that because it's calories, right? Um, I missed out on a lot of social events in university. Like even my roommates baked cookies once and they handed one to me and I felt bad not taking it. So I took it, walked out the door to go to class and chucked it because I was like, I can't eat cookies, right? It was just this, such a restrictive mentality. Um, That's in your head though. It's all in your head. I mean, you just got so in your head about. So in my head. Yeah. Yeah. About how food is like, things like that are bad. You know, I have family birthdays and stuff and I skip out on cake and even like family members start to pick up on it. Like, why aren't you eating cake? You know, I'm like, eh. you know, I, I would always say I just didn't feel like it, but deep down I really wanted to eat that cake. So you got on the clean path or yeah. not clean path, but on a better path with this new coach yeah. and things started to turn around. Totally. You became smarter for it. Totally. You brought yourself out of your funk. Yeah. Where does that lead you to, hey, I want to help other people now? Well, I wanted to kind of pay it forward, right? I wanted to do what she did for me. I wanted to like show people that you know, we don't have to live in this restrictive world of dieting to lose weight or whatever. Like my goal was to gain weight. I didn't gain 20 pounds of fat. Pretty sure I gained a good 20 pounds of muscle. Um, and I did it in a healthy way. It took me about, see, in a year and a half to do that. But she showed me how to do it properly 
you know, she increased my calories over time. And at one point I was like, I feel good. And my lift started to go up. I felt really good. I was still lean. And that brought me into the world of weightlifting, which is a whole other rabbit hole. But that's my why. Like I went through this, you know, eating disorder as a young teenager. Um, and then I found a coach and I was like, I really want to help people do the exact same thing she did for me. Do you feel like females struggle more than males? hundred percent. Right. Absolutely. And how does that, how does that manifest today? Like, what are you seeing it like similar to what you went through or? Yeah. Yeah. And body image, right? Mm. If I see women, they step on the scale and if they're up like a pound or two, they freak. Is that the same as it was in 2010? Oh yeah. So social media has played a huge part. We've talked about this. Ryan mm-hmm. has mentioned it. Like there's some, there's some sort of idea of perfect lifestyle, perfect body, perfect, mm-hmm. whatever. I think that's almost detrimental to our children in a way totally. trying to, per, trying to show people, Hey, this is what you should look like. Well, yeah. look at, look at celebrities. Uh, I think I'm picking up on where you're going, Justin. If you look at celebrities and male versus female, there are chubby male celebrities out there that are very, very successful. And then, on the other side, there are chubby, chubbier women celebrities, but there aren't as many it's like that. It's more so you need that, that, that body image. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's almost like men somehow have been more acceptive of, yeah. of, of just gaining a little bit of weight than on, on, on the female side. And, and we are seeing it change. We're seeing more and more celebrities that are challenging that, um, moving forward. I agree. I think there's definitely been a shift hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And I think we're standing behind, uh, people like I think Rebel Wilson or Re- is that her name? Re- she's a comedian. She's gone through a bit of a weight loss phase. Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Like they've, you see those journeys and Lizzo, and they're being they're being uh, applauded for for you know being who they are. Mm-hmm. Who was that woman? It's all about that base. What's that girl's name? Oh, I mean Megan, she Megan she, Trainer. Megan Trainer. She came out proud and loud, and this is who she is, and totally accepting of who she was and what her body was like. And I just think that's that's the mentality we need to have because yeah, well, every human's different. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, there, just so we're clear here, we're at the pond again. Yeah. And there is some hockey-related things going the on. Class just went on the ice. Class yeah, just went so on the yeah. ice. So, um, we may have some background noise, but uh, it's all part of being live and in charge at the pond. Mm-hmm. My one question I have is that. There was an NHL defenseman on the Vegas Knights who got suspended, I think, two years ago. Um, They found steroids in his system. And he swears, 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 I do not do steroids. I don't know where this came from. And he's gone and he's been on the air and talked with nutritionists. And they think that it's from he was eating a ton and a ton and a ton of chicken. Oh, really? And he was not buying organic. He was just buying straight from the local grocery store in Las Vegas chicken. And they think that the trace amounts of steroids that they found in his system came from the chicken that he was eating, that he was consuming, kind of like a, a secondary effect. It's like a buildup of what he's eating, basically. Yeah. And so when, when I walk through the, the grocery stores now, I'm seeing the organic, the natural food section grow and grow and grow. We have new stores like Farm Boy, uh, Whole Foods, all those those natural, more less steroid-based food, free-range chicken, all that kind of stuff. How much does that play into nutrition? How much effect does it actually have? Um, it, it does have quite a bit of an effect. It's obviously more expensive, mm-hmm. but you know, anyone that wants to be in like tip top shape and be like the healthiest version or eat the healthiest diet should be opting for those 
hormone-free grass-fed, you know, options when they're shopping for meats. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to get to a point where I can afford it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it's I expensive. don't buy that it's stuff, definite, right? Definite barrier right now. Well, that's why people fall back on eating McDonald's because you can go into McDonald's and have a whole meal for under five bucks. Yeah. Like that's the challenge, right? And so when you've got people that are, especially in the U.S., that are below the poverty line, and you know they can't afford to go and buy broccoli for a dollar eighty nine, and and you know and, and so on and so forth, it's I'm going to go and grab, you know, a ninety nine cent burger for my kids, and I'm going to have the ninety nine cent burger, and that's our dinner tonight. And a, they're probably not eating enough, mm-hmm. and b, they're not eating healthy stuff, mm-hmm. and that's a huge problem. I, I spend a lot of time down in the states, not lately, but. I spend a lot of time down in the States and I always find it like absurd, absurd. like for $5 at a Wendy's, how what, much food you can, get. what yeah. you can get. And it, it's like, I cannot even finish this. Yeah. They give you a friggin' jug full of Coke for yeah. 50 cents. And it's yeah. like, and I also cow. think that like everything's bigger and better, right? Everyone's oh, yeah. always got to be the biggest and the best. I, w- I was in Disney a couple of years ago with my family and we ate at one of the di- one of the character breakfasts, which there's a lot of people in there. And we're sitting there going to the buffet to grab our food. And I grab a little plate of food and I come back and sit down. This is my breakfast, bacon, eggs, you know, some hash browns, whatever. There were people coming back with plates that were a mountain of, I cannot even tell you like six inches above their plate was the food stacked up almost as if they, they hadn't eaten for six weeks in order to get to this point And no one was going to take that food away from them. Yeah. And I'm like, if this is the mentality of humans in the U S this is what the problem is. 100%. I don't understand that because I can't coming back around to the body image point of view. I don't, I I'm all for being comfortable in your own skin but at what point do you look at yourself in the mirror and go, I need to make a change? Is it a health scare? Is it like, because it's not healthy to be big. Gosh, no. Like, to, with all due respect. That's mm-hmm. the line you got to walk, right? Right. Like, it's, we're, we're talking about being proud of yourself, being, being, being confident in what your abilities are. But at the same time, we don't want to promote, you know, it's okay to go eat McDonald's every yeah. day. We don't want to promote a challenge. that. It's a fine line for yeah. sure. It's a massive political challenge, political challenge in a way. Political, yeah. Because our government in a way has to promote better lifestyle. We were talking the other day about how they removed milk from the food pyramid. Is that true? Really? Did you know this? I did not know that. Well, we yeah. need to do some more research on that and bring it up. <laughs> I, I actually, so after we did it, I, I actually went and looked did it you? up and, and dairy is now off the food pyramid. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's a massive something, change. Something about we're the, we're the only species on earth that consumes dairy after infancy. It makes sense. And you know, I do tell clients of mine, like just limit dairy. Like I, I really like cheese i love feta cheese Me and i too. love goat cheese oh, love i will not take those out of my diet they have to go on a salad or my salad's not complete well and part of this is that as humans we have adapted to um removing or to to taking everything possible from nature and turning it into some sort of food yeah. <laughs> so i mean we've milked everything we could possibly milk to turn into food right so i think the reality here becomes yeah cheese has been a thing for i don't know millennia like it's been it's like they've had cheese for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years totally and i'm italian so that goes into uh, our food group that is a food group that is a food group you do not have pasta without parmigiano reggiano on top of it (laughs) that's right it's a must it's It's a a must. must yeah so let's wrap this up a bit and kind of come full circle and so the bottom line what you're talking about here is 
the healthiest way to eat is not to limit your food, not to diet on a whim with these sort of calorie reduced diets or, or, you know, you know, what's the word you use? Like excluding food from your diet, restricting restrictive diets. The, the goal here is to eat healthy by eating clean and not necessarily clean, but unprocessed. Yeah. Like for the most part, unprocessed whole food. Totally. As much as you can. Yeah. Like 80%, right. That's like the number 80% of your diet should be whole foods. Like, you know, lots of veggies, lean proteins, um, healthy fats and carbohydrate. And like that 20% that's left over, have some fun. Have some fun. I like that part. I'll focus my time on the 20%. I can have some fun. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm surprised. See, I'm good at that part. Well, see, back in the day, see, now I'm the one bringing it up all the time. You left, you left it behind. Back in the days of the frosted tips, you could eat anything. So, so Justin used to have frosted tips. Yeah, so, no way. Oh, yeah. So, But it was like There's I dyed my whole evidence. head and then yeah, shaved yeah, the sides eventually, and it would really, it would. Anyway, it doesn't put, put some racing stripes in there. Yeah. That's amazing. But the point is, yes. Okay, fine. Let's move on. I brought it up. I'm an idiot. But I, he said he was going to bring it up every time. He wasn't going to let it go. And oh, I'm man. Just, I just, I don't have to now. I just wait for you to. Yeah. This is, a, this is, a maybe I'm, this is like your NHL thing. <laughs> this, I'm proud of my frosted tip. It, when I was around 20, I could eat whatever the hell I wanted. Yeah. Right? And as you age, your body changes and it's like, like I discovered earlier this year, I can't eat dairy anymore. Yes. Right. It's just yep. a thing that happens. Yep. Right. And maybe one day I'll have a piece of chocolate, but I'm certainly not going to eat it at the same. I've restricted it completely because I have to. Oh, really? At this eh? point. I can't do it. Every time I do it, it messes me There's up. There's a dairy free chocolate out there. Well, I've, trust me. Uh, have you, have you researched? Yeah. And <laughs> okay. the ice cream thing, the ice cream, yeah. the, the cashew ice cream is my best friend right now. Because oh, there it's you go. The best so delicious cashew ice cream oh. with the little chocolate swirls in it. No. Vegan, All right. gluten-free. So good. That's awesome. So good. That's so, awesome. But yeah, but it's about making compromise in order to keep healthy. Right? Yeah, for sure. And certainly great that I'm eating cashew ice cream, but eating handfuls of cashews isn't ideal. So I got to cut back, right? Yeah. So it's like, I'm not going to have the whole tub. No. All at once. No. Balance, right? Balance. Got to find that balance. So this has been enlightening. Don't you think? I'm hungry. Me too. Hey. <laughs> it's lunchtime. Yes. So we'll let Jacqueline get back to her lifting and, and knocking people down in the CrossFit gym. Yeah, good luck this weekend. Thank you very much. Yes. Have fun. Good luck. Thank All you. the best. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for Thank having you. me. That was another episode of The Underground. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Also, follow Justin on Facebook and see what he's up to in the real estate world at Justin Long Carrick. And check out what Ryan is doing on the ice at more.hockey.